0: WKRP in Cincinnati won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X-Files. Welcome to The Gen X-Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Red Dawn. Dawn. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Love this movie. America. Yeah. Hey, I can't wait till we debate the whole right-left thing about this movie, because... I got some things to oh, say.
1: good, because we're definitely going to debate that. Good. Take yourself back to 1984. Uh, May 8th, the Soviet Union announces that it will boycott the 1984 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles. Yep. Yeah, big loss there. Uh,
0: For the Soviets, all the, the poor athletes that took all those drugs and worked really hard.
1: <laughs> June 6th, Tetris is officially released in the Soviet Union on the Electronica 60.
0: <speaking in> the <Soviet Union> I hear that in my sleep, man. Tetris is possibly one of my favorite video games Oh yeah, it's of all time. everybody's favorite video game of all time. It captured everybody. I
1: loved that game so much. It's so satisfying to clear the bricks, baby. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Uh, Soviets knew. It was all <laughs> from the KGB. <laughs> August 4th, Soviet submarine K-278 Komsomolets reaches a record... Komsomolets, I think, is, is probably how you say is it, yeah. probably better. I am not Russian. Uh, reaches a record at submergence depth of 1,020 meters, which is about three-fifths of a mile.
0: Ooh, yeah, down and then uh, they got stuck down there, and uh, Harrison Ford was the captain, and uh, he had to get everybody out of there. Oh, that was a later movie.
1: Was that Red October?
0: No. They, I forget the name of the movie, but Harrison
1: Ford played a Russian oh, no. sub-captain. That's right. God, yeah. what was that? Okay. I don't remember. Um, August 10th, Red Dawn is released in the USA
0: and Canada. I just want to say, I, oh, I was in Communist Russia, baby. I yeah. was there.
1: What, do, you, do you remember what year that was? Yeah, it was uh, 88, I believe. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, right. Are you the reason the, the Soviet Union fell apart? I am. I'm very <laughs> charming. So, why is the first movie rated PG-13 beloved by so many, especially those of the conservative bent? Because it's awesome.
0: <laughs> and it's got some of the greatest young actors playing some that of the greatest true. parts. And, true. man, I remember when this movie came out, and it was
1: awesome. It was revelatory? I, that's not... It's just that the fact that it's like, can that happen? Yeah. It was more like, this is fun. Okay, here... Okay,
0: to take all the politics and the BS away from it, I'm going to tell you, as a 14-year-old, <laughs> or 13, whatever, <laughs> yeah, going to this yeah. movie, what it was like. With we probably went with laser tag Larry, yeah, because we yeah. went to movies a lot together. But it was just... it. Th- this was the time, again, this is why we're doing this month, right. you know, of the of these movies that were just, you know, just killing fields. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. just like these action movies that had kind of like it, – it gave us the satisfaction of fighting the Russians when we couldn't fight them. Because, right. you know, right. we were all deathly afraid of nuclear war and, you right. know, the Russians were – you know, people don't remember just how – bad we thought the Russians were, man. I mean, just... Oh, yeah, yeah. The Cold War was no joke. We had to, you know, go under our desks to pretend like we had a chance of surviving a nuclear war. Put
1: your textbook on your head. (laughs) It's
0: like, Every month. Yeah. You know, duck and cover drills, baby. But, so it was just fun to see kids our age fighting a war. And it wasn't like, oh, yeah, man. Rah, rah. It was more like, ooh, this is... this is creepy and it's a very look i know it didn't turn out to be the movie that it was supposed to be
1: yeah yeah but it still isn't a really pro-war movie you know yeah no it's not i I think it's been perverted into that over the years yes
0: because once people take ownership of something and they change the meaning of everything to fit into their schism or their ideology you know of their have their doctrine, and you can <laughs> yes, do that. I mean, you yes. can interpret art any way you want. Yeah, 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 for sure. I don't see it, you know, as I see it as a very pro. It's a, it's still a rah rah Reagan movie, but it's not the same as like Rambo three, no, or Rocky no. four. It's not just a you know, they they had a sympathetic, the Nicaraguan general, yeah, was a sympathetic character, yeah, you yeah. know they. They got the weirdest, creepiest looking guy to play the Russian general. (laughs) A guy who looks like he belongs in a Lord of the Rings movie uh, as an ancient elf or something. I don't know. But still, like, seeing that movie, it was was exciting, man. I mean, it was seeing us. Like, kids, there's a lot of movies, like, taps which isn't you know it's a very different movie because it's a yes, lot more yes. <laughs> it's, a lot, it's a lot more serious but there's like 10 soldiers you yeah, know the kids yeah. like the rambo with kids there's all these movies where kids kind of become the heroes yeah yeah you know and it's not a tragic african child soldier right story right. of conscription it's yeah you know it's these People put into a situation, and and you got to do what you got to do, and and basically that's what this movie is. Is these yeah. kids? Yeah, I, I, I. There are very few movies that start so quickly and just. Oh go, yeah, like yeah. This movie, for sure, for sure. This movie is great in terms of hitting the ground running, and and there's a you know the the kids are kids. They're still jealous. Yeah, yeah. they're still sullen. They still fight. You know, they're not like these. Super heroic. They turn into that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Over
0: like, I don't know, a year or two. I don't know how long the.
1: No, it was uh, like four months. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So a
0: little little (laughs) bit much. But I mean, you know, they learned because they had to.
1: Yeah, you know? it was a situation where they were literally doing this every day. So yeah. like, it, it it's not unbelievable. I mean, it, it does stretch a little bit, but but still, it's not unbelievable. What it, movie doesn't stretch? But the fact is, is that this is a fantasy film yes. and that you can identify with these characters yes. because if you watched a bunch of Soviets paratrooping in, you would grab a gun and go fight them. The movie was originally called Ten Soldiers. Uh, it was written by Kevin Reynolds. Uh, it was set in the near future as a combined force of Russians and Cubans launched an invasion of the southwestern U.S. Ooh. Ten children take the hills when their small town is captured, turning it into a turning into a skilled and lethal guerrilla band. Uh, and that's what amazing. instruments do they play? Uh, they were a jazz ensemble. <laughs> they were. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. they were, hey, you know, uh, fusion jazz is a great way to fight <laughs> the enemy. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Reynolds was barely 21 when he had written the script while attending USC. Uh, Producer Barry Beckerman read the script, and in the words of Peter Bart, longtime editor-in-chief of Variety magazine, thought it had the potential to become a tough, taut art picture made on a modest budget that could possibly break out into a wider audience. His father, uh, Sidney Beckerman, helped him pay a $5,000 option for the script. Uh, Sidney Beckerman was an old-school producer who had worked on films like Marlowe in 1969, starring James Garner. Yeah, Rockford. Uh, Kelly's Heroes in 1970, starring Clint Eastwood and Telly Savalas. My first uh, celebrity meet, Telly Savalas. Yeah, Telly Savalas. Joe Kidd in 1972, starring Clint Eastwood. Yeah, Uh, Marathon Man in 1976, starring Dustin Hoffman. Is It Safe? Uh, that has one of the most disturbing scenes ever in a movie It's a few disturbing scenes yeah uh, and The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai in the Eighth Dimension in 1984 starring Peter Wheeler uh, that was released on the same day as Red Dawn
0: better movie I'm gonna give it I gotta I'm <laughs> giving it out of the two, and I love Red Dawn. I've got a lot Buckaroo
1: of Bonsai. Yeah,
0: Buckaroo Bonsai is one of my absolute favorite movies ever. It's okay. just such a weird, awesome movie, and I can't believe you haven't seen it. And every day that you haven't seen it, I take it as a personal offense.
1: I'm, I'm not watching it until we cover it. Oh, man, then so I'm going to be offended
0: I, for a long time. We're going to have to <laughs> do an emergency I'm show. Su-
1: surprised that we haven't covered it yet. If it's your, one of your favorite movies of all time, well, I was waiting for you to bring it up. You can do weird sci-fi movies, work. that work. That's quite a swallow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, so Kevin Reynolds wanted to direct, but the Beckermans wanted someone more established. Yeah, he's only twenty one. He's still in college. Yeah, he he had some, you know, he had some cojones. He he was like, hey, whatever, you want my stuff. I I can see he's young and brash. Sure. Yeah. I mean, hey, go for it if you're gonna go for it. I mean, he's he's barely twenty one and he just had a script option. Like I would totally be like, Yeah. yeah calm down. Yeah. Calm down, Reynolds. I can direct anything. Yeah. Uh, So Walter Hill was actually briefly considered for the script before turning it down. He would have been great. And that's pretty – it
0: is really ballsy of Kevin Reynolds to want to – You're not going to get something if you don't ask. Right, but it's also – it's a very complicated first movie. It wouldn't – you know, it's not like some – it's not like his real first movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fandango. Sandango,
1: yeah, yeah. That is very true. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, so the Beckermans pitched the project to David Begelman at MGM, but were turned down. Uh, Begelman was dismissed from MGM in 1982. They tried again at the studio when it was run by Frank Yablins. Yablins! Yeah, good old Yablins. He's always coming up. <laughs> Yablins was the former head of Paramount, who oversaw the release and marketing for The Godfather, The Godfather Part Two, in Chinatown. He's a He's a great guy. He's a legend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Senior Vice President for Production Peter Bart, uh, who remembers it as a... Sharply written in a war movie, sort of Lord of the Flies. He took the project to Yablons, who had previously worked with at Paramount, but this was all before he became the, the editor-in-chief at Variety. Right. Uh, <clears throat> by this point, Kevin Reynolds had caught the eye of Steven Spielberg at USC. Yeah, he's always checking out them youngies. <laughs> skulking around USC like a creeper. Ooh, who's that guy over there? This is a fantastic movie. You've I really like your short film. <laughs> Maybe we could have lunch one day. Oh, God. Uh, Spielberg really enjoyed his short film Proof, which was later shepherded by Spielberg into the nostalgic feature film Fandango. It's a really
0: good movie. I've never it's seen it. It's a great I... cult movie. It is. It's it's the best thing that uh, Judd Nelson ever did. Oh, yeah? He's like the button-up. He's very funny. Oh, really? Yeah, really? he's great. Interesting and Kevin Costner's really charming in it and it's it's especially seeing especially seeing it after these guys kinda hit it.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. really fun to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah, so it, it was released in nineteen eighty five. Reynolds wrote and directed it. It starred Kevin Costner, Judd Nelson, and Sam Robards. And can I just say I gotta <laughs> go back for one second? Sure.
0: It's pretty awesome that Steven Spielberg Kept his eye on kids and helped their yeah, careers. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> we always joke around being creepy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's because not. it's more fun. But it's it. It really is a testament, at least in his. I don't know if he still does it, but at least in his younger days, to try to help.
1: You know. Yeah, Up-and-coming, I mean, talented folks. Well, a lot of it, too, is that I, I think that Spielberg has had the foresight to be like, yeah, I can start producing stuff and like getting stuff made and, yeah. and still make a ton of money at this. And cultivating
0: young talent yeah, and, yeah. and being able to
1: find a stable of directors that he could go to. Right, and, right, exactly. Know, that that exactly.
0: basically owe him their yeah. careers. <laughs> exactly,
1: yes. Shrewd. Uh, Fandango was set in the early 70s as a final road trip for a group of buddies that were getting married uh, or going off to Vietnam. Essentially, they just weren't going to be their little friend group anymore. Uh, Reynolds began a long friendship with Kevin Costner after hiring him for Fandango when Costner was a little-known actor. Reynolds would go on to direct a string of movies like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in 1991. Yeah. I I don't mind Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Uh, Waterworld in 1995. (laughs) I also don't – I feel the same way about Waterworld. It's kind of like, okay, it's entertaining. Waterworld is boring.
0: It's so long. (laughs) And his character is so nothing. Yeah, yeah. The mariner drinking his own (laughs) pee-pee. The only good thing about that is the ridiculously over-the-top hopper performance that we get. Oh, yes. You want to see one of the greatest American actors chew, chomp, (laughs) <laughs> Spit out and chew again that scenery. That's Mr. Hopper in Waterworld. Is it
1: uh about about as good as when in uh, Speed when he was uh, playing the villain in Speed?
0: I oh, look. My favorite thing about that movie is the bad guys are called the Smokers because they like to smoke <laughs> and they have a whole ship full of cigarettes and they're always smoking. So I back when I watched it, I was a smoker and I'm like, and oh, yeah. I'd be I'm, I'd be on the a smoker. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm really not down with the Mariner. If you want a good version of Waterworld, go to Universal and watch the the stunt show. <laughs> Yeah, It's ten minutes long, and it encapsulates the entire movie. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so Costner Reynolds actually had a falling out during the end of production, with uh, Reynolds having to this to say about Kevin Costner. Kevin should only star in movies he directs. That way, he can work with his favorite actor and director. Ouch.
0: <laughs> well, hey, that's no lie, baby. That's not. That's far off. He yeah. got a big, big hit, especially yeah. after uh, Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he started believing his own hype. And hey, look. Costner's an extremely talented cast man, yes. Very yeah. talented director. Very talented actor. I really like the guy a lot. Um, but he was fairly insufferable yeah, in the yeah. 90s oh, from yeah. what I've heard. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's, yeah, it seems like he's calmed down a bit since then. Well, age does that yeah, to you. That's true.
0: And yeah. flops. <laughs> a
1: lot of flops in the late 90s. <laughs> but now he's back on TV doing he is. Uh, Yellowstone. He's doing is Yellowstone? Word. Yellowstone. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ye- Yellowstone.
0: I'm not 60 <laughs> yet, so I'm not watching that show. <laughs> I haven't switched over to the CBS procedurals yet, <laughs> like uh, that and oh, uh, NCIS Ugh, and uh, JAG. Jag, Jag. Jag is the old man show. Ugh. Yeah. Is that, that's been all the physics sixty-seven it's, it's still years on the air.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Reynolds also uh, re- I, he also directed One Eight Seven in nineteen ninety-seven with Samuel. It was Samuel Jackson's first top billed leading role. It was good. It was not great, but it was good. It was fine. That was where he was the teacher, right? I remember being very disappointed by the ending. Yeah, but, well, yeah, but
0: yeah. like anything where you are dealing with a teacher and students yeah. and murder and
1: revenge. Yeah. It's a touchy, touchy subject. (laughs) Uh, So Reynolds and Costner actually made up by 2012 when they worked on the history miniseries Hatfields and McCoys. Never saw it. Would like to see it. Yeah, I would too. Uh, The miniseries was nominated for 16 primetime Emmy Awards, including one for Reynolds for directing. Nice. Good to see those guys get back together. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, men fences. It's good. Uh, In 2013, Reynolds was brought aboard as director for the planned project The Resurrection of Jesus Christ, a film intended as a mystery thriller and unofficial sequel to The Passion of the Christ, depicting the days following Christ's resurrection with a script written by Paul Aiello. The film we've all been screaming for! That sequel to The Passion! Uh... The film is told from the viewpoint of a Roman tribune ordered by Pontius Pilate to investigate growing rumors of a risen Jewish Messiah and to locate the missing body of Jesus of Nazareth in order to quell an imminent uprising in Jerusalem.
0: actually sounds pretty cool.
1: Eventually titled Risen, the film was released in 2016, and the only reason I included it is because I'd never heard of this and I have to see
0: it. Yeah, well, look. Okay, I'm going to say something that's going to possibly upset some people. I don't mean to, but this is just something I would like to see. Reading that, I would love to see like a, like a,
1: a procedural, yeah, yes, yeah, like yeah. a
0: investigate investigative movie, yeah, like a cop movie where these Roman quote unquote detectives, yeah, yeah, are investigating the Jesus. And I'm going to say this word <laughs> myth, um, and they disprove it or whatever. However yeah, it comes, yeah. but I would like to see some sort of like historical Out. accurate, like non interesting religious, yeah. you know, not you know, and take it for what it is. I'm not yeah. saying you know. I don't know. I'm not gad. I <laughs> have died and seen the, you know, the right, last right. page of the book. There's only my personal beliefs. But, uh, and I respect your belief. Uh, not yours, Adam, but other people's. Um, <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> but I think
1: it would be really interesting to see that movie. I agree. I agree. This is why I'm curious to see what this eventually became. Because I don't think they, they totally went that direction.
0: If I looked um, good in a Roman skirt... I'd say let's make it. Right. But I've got really pasty, hairless legs that are pretty gross. Your legs should not be on screen. No, no, no.
1: no.
0: <laughs> very spindly, too.
1: All right, so anyway, uh, back to uh, Ten Soldiers, as he was calling the script. Uh, due to his involvement with Spielberg, MGM bought the script for Ten Soldiers. Uh, it was right after this that the executives at MGM had a brilliant idea for this little art house anti-war film. Peter Part recalls... The chieftains at MGM got a better idea. Instead of making
0: a poignant little anti war movie, why not make a teen Rambo and turn the project over to John Milius, a genial filmmaker who loved war movies? The idea was especially popular with a member of the MGM board of directors, General Alexander Haig, the former Nixon chief of staff who yearned to supervise the film personally and develop a movie career.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I, th- it's. Mm, yeah. St- stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah, that lane is treason. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Most of MGM's execs were opposed to Milius directing, except for Yablons. It certainly appears as though this was Frank Yablons' idea to completely change the tone of the film. Yablons, <laughs> hey man, he saw. But okay, let's be honest. He yeah.
0: saw the, the. He felt the wind changing. <laughs> yes, he did. The wind of public opinion, and he did the right thing. I mean, in terms of business, I think he did the right thing. Totally, to make a, totally. a, to make a popular movie, you know, it's like he could have made $3 million making a serious gritty art house movie, which would have probably been a lot better. And, but yeah. it would have also probably been forgotten and not, it wouldn't have made money. No, I, and it wouldn't become a cult hit.
1: Yeah. The time and was definitely whatever. shifting. I mean, at that point, Reagan had won, had won a lot by a lot. I mean, it was, it was very much shifting in a very conservative way. Oh yeah. Uh, so Peter Bart claims he made a last-minute attempt to get Reynolds to direct the film and went to see Spielberg. However, by this stage, Fandango was in rough cut, and Bart sensed that Spielberg was disappointed in the film and would not speak up for Reynolds. Well, well. yeah. Fanda- but, you know, I mean, you got to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's,
0: it's show business, not show friendship.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's impossible that Reynolds just, you know, he at that point, he wasn't a good director. He was, not that I he mean, wasn't he
0: was... a good director. He was an inexperienced director. He was young. This yeah. is his first film. Thank God. Fandango was his first film, so Spielberg could be like, "Hey, buddy, you're gonna need to make a few more, yeah, uh, get a few more of these under your belt before you tackle something as big
1: as Ten Soldiers." (laughs) Fandango was never given a wide release, although it has now gained some cult status with people like Quentin Tarantino praising it. And me, Uh, Tarantino's actually said that he saw it five times the week that it was open, and he's like, "I'm pretty sure it was only there for a week."
0: Yeah, probably. I, I remember I used to manage a video store in Boston. No, oh, yeah, and uh, one of the kids that worked there was
1: like, "You got to check this out," and yeah. I did, and I loved it. Nice, nice. So, <clears throat> John Milius was signed to direct at a fee of one point two five million dollars plus a gun of his choice. What? Uh, apparently, that was part of his contract. Uh, he they bought him a gun and paid him one and a quarter million dollars. You buy a lot of guns for one point two five mil. What Do you know a gun? No, no. I, I do not know. It's rumored. I mean, it's possible that never actually happened, but I... It sounds like one of those things that somebody Given John Melius probably. But it could have... I mean, and you're right. Milius I, is I, an I, interesting
0: character. Either way,
1: yeah. Uh, John Melius was a very established writer and director by 1984. He wrote a number of iconic film lines, such as... Charlie Don't Surf! And... I love the smell of napalm in the morning. From Apocalypse Now and the famous Harry Callahan one-liners delivered by Clint Eastwood, including... Go ahead, make my day. And? Ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? I had no idea that he wrote all those. Yeah, no Milius no is a one-line king. Yeah, it's <laughs> impressive. Uh, Millius also had a hand in the USS Indianapolis monologue in the film Jaws, uh, which if you want to hear about that, we have an episode on Jaws. You should find that.
0: Boat goes into the water. <laughs> They mean go into the water. Sharks come after them in. After the first day, after the first night. There's only fourteen of us left.
1: (laughs) I went over to my buddy and I pulled him over. I had no
0: legs. He had no legs. (laughs) What's his legs?
1: Uh Milius had just come off writing and directing Conan the Barbarian in 1982, which was a surprise success at the box office. Yeah, another fun movie. Yeah. Uh, so Milius said about rewriting the script for Ten Soldiers, he and Haig devised a backstory in which the circumstances of the invasion would take place. This was reportedly based on Hitler's proposed plans to invade the U.S. during World War II. Ooh. Yeah. Weird. A little bit. <laughs> uh, Why is he studying Hitler? Uh, all right. A lot of a lot of people back in the '80s, a lot of military guys in the '80s thought that Hitler was a military genius. What? You didn't? Yeah, they. Yeah, I well, mean, look, I he I took remember over most of Europe. I mean, yeah, I just I,
0: I had so many conversations in college with idiots. Was like started with, "Look, I'm no fan of Hitler." <laughs> <laughs> Whatever <laughs> you're about to say next, <laughs> yes, <don't>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. He got the trains running on uh, time. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 <sighs> yes, it was worth it to get the trains on time.
1: I, I will say, uh, interviewing my grandmother, who was thirteen when nineteen thirty nine, uh, they loved him up until September first, nineteen thirty nine, yeah. and then they were like, "What did we do? We created a monster."
0: They didn't know. I mean, it wasn't like no, the final no, solution was no. what he led with.
1: No, no. Well, not even just that, but in the war itself, like they, it's just like nobody wanted to go into war. They anyway. They saw the money.
0: Yeah. You know, a lot of people were making money off of Hitler. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, selling him arms and selling yeah, him, yeah, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> Haig took Emilius under his wing, bringing him to the Hudson Institute, the conservative think tank founded by Hermann Kahn, to develop a plausible scenario. Emilius saw the story as a third world liberation struggle in reverse. Ooh. Haig introduced Nicaragua and suggested that with the collapse of NATO, a left-wing Mexican government would participate in the Soviet invasion, effectively splitting the U.S. in half.
0: Yeah, but come on, man. Nicaragua never had, like, a giant military. They're... And I don't think the Soviets yeah, you know, are going to grab a bunch of Nicaraguans on the way to America.
1: I, yeah, I, I don't really... I mean, I can even. That's right. It's like the Nicaragua and Cuba. They have tiny armies. Like it's yeah. not. It's not something that they. No, it's in, it's implausible.
0: No, well, and Cuba was also. You know they're a pawn of Russia. You know they yeah, put their yeah, they were going to put their missiles there. You know, right, the, right. Cuban missile crisis. Right. Uh mm-hmm. But I get it because the reason why they included them is because communism and socialism was like the you know the the boogeyman of the time still yeah. is. Um, yeah. Strangely <laughs> enough, everything is the same. We're afraid of Russia, and gas prices are high, and yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, except uh, back then, people had the right to choose whatever procedure they wanted for their bodies. <laughs> so Peter P- Peter Bart recalls about Alexander Haig. Even Milius was taken aback by Haig's approach to the project. This is going to end up as a jingoistic flag waving movie. Milius fretted. Uh, as a result, the budget of this one six million dollar movie almost troubled.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure this was just Alexander Haig's, like, super fantasy of, like, hoping that something like this would happen. Oh, yeah. And then that way you could really rally everybody around and make America great again. Well, then you could nuke Russia. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Yeah. Literally end the world. That'd be fantastic. Uh, other changes included a shift in focus from conflict within the group to conflict between the teens and their oppressors, and the acceleration of the ages of some of the characters from early teens to high school age and beyond. Makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. There was also the addition of a sequence where some children visit a camp to find their parents have been brainwashed. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, they were.
0: That wasn't in the. They were no, brainwashed. They, it didn't. Was just I, a, they didn't end up in the tournament camp. Mean. Yeah.
1: Uh, Milius later said,
0: "I see this as an anti-war movie in the sense." And if both sides could see this, maybe it wouldn't have to happen. I think it would be good for Americans to see what a war would be like. This film isn't even that violent. The war shows none of the horrors that
1: would happen in World War III. In fact, everything that happened in the movie happened in World War II. To counter Milius' view, at the time it was released, Red Dawn was considered the most violent film by the Guinness Book of World Records and the National Coalition on Television Violence, with a rate of 134 acts of violence per hour, or 2.23 per minute.
0: Yeah, but it was the kind of violence where there's no blood. You know, it was, it was, it's not Rambo carnage violence blowing people's faces apart and
1: stuff. It's like, oh, you know, yeah. it's the old, ah! But, you know, get shot in the belly. Woo. But that's... that's Rambo two, over. Rambo 2 was that way, too. It didn't... It, it wasn't... It didn't have... Not like the later Rambo, where there was pieces of people flying off everywhere. Okay, what I'm saying is, this is quaint
0: violence, okay? It's not gratuitous or... Okay, you can make an argument that the really rough violence of the Rambo movies makes... Of the later Rambo movies makes people squeamish about going to war or whatever. Sure. Mm. But this this kind of violence is a disservice because it doesn't make it seem as bad as it is. You know, yeah. like, oh, yeah. And, you know, uh, big spoiler alert, spoiler alert, if you haven't yeah. seen the movie. Um, when uh, when Leah Thompson gets popped, you know, she has a... I'm going to go. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't worry about me. Just, just fight on everything's going to be good. You know, people have their... Sure. You know, it, it isn't like... Private Saving Private Ryan where everybody's guts are hanging out and they're screaming for their mommies.
1: Which which is very anti-war, obviously.
0: Well, yeah, but also very probably what happened, man. I'd be
1: screaming for my mom, too, if I was 17 years old looking at my guts hanging out of my (laughs) belly. Jesus. Uh, I will say that the one image from this movie from when I was young when I saw it, and I don't remember how old I was when I first saw it. It was definitely on TV, so I had to been in the late eighties, but the one image that always sticks with me is when Leah Thompson gets shot wearing that puffy jacket and it just blows up and yeah like and like that is the one image that always stuck with me about that movie. Good squib work, yeah, uh, but also do remember that the two thousand and seven d v d special edition includes an on screen carnage counter, <laughs> nice, but it's not like it's not like
0: Rambo where they're just shooting. You know, an unending
1: supply sure, of faceless sure. soldiers. No, Rambo Three was definitely this. It was what they were saying. Times like a thousand. You know, sure. I mean, it is. It is. It is wanton violence. Whereas this actually had purpose. Wanton or wanton? I wanton violence. You eat it. <laughs>
0: um, fried violence. Yeah. Uh, look. Yes, uh, but this violence in Red Dawn, it's like military you know they're going in sure. and they're doing their little like choo 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 you know it's like five shots boo boo boo. boo. wolverines we got yeah, you yeah. you know boom blow up the tank wolverines we got you you know it's not like this it's not like it makes sense the violence makes sense in this movie
1: i think sure uh, that doesn't discount the fact that there was violence in the movie yes but it's not a ballerina movie it's a movie about war it's just funny that, uh, anyway, it's it's just that jo- I think John Milius thought this was a very different movie than what he actually made. Yes, I can agree <laughs> on that, definitely. <laughs> that, that's the whole point. So Peter Bart recalls that Yablons pushed through f- filming faster than Milius wanted because MGM needed a movie over the summer. Ugh. Yep, good old execs. Milius wanted more time to plan, including devising futuristic weaponry and to not shoot over winter, but he had to accede because MGM was the boss.
0: Yeah, nobody wants to shoot over winter. The yeah. cameras freeze up. Everybody's cold. It's like a huge pain in the ass. It adds a ton to the expense. Yeah. And it's just, it, it, and, and it's miserable.
1: Yeah. Uh, due to the, the accelerated schedule, the Pentagon actually withdrew its cooperation from the film. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that really matters to the movie or not. But... I mean, if they were going to get equipment, it does. Yeah. So most of the the cast were relatively unknown at the time Red Dawn was made. Uh, Patrick Swayze is Jed Eckert. Jed. Jed Eckert. Jed.
0: Jed do turn into something else. Okay,
1: okay. <laughs> he appeared in the poignant MASH episode Blood Brothers in nineteen eighty one as Private Sturgis, whose wounds are minor, but who is found to be terminally ill with cancer. Such a sad ep- I
0: <laughs> I don't remember many MASH episodes, but I sure remember that one. Hi, I'm doing okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well you're not doing okay. You've actually got cancer. and oh. Now I'm going to make a joke about it. Yeah. I better go put on my dress and <laughs> run away. <laughs> <That's> yeah. <true. laughs> Uh, that same year, Patrick Swayze appeared in the TV movie *Return of the Rebels* with Barbara Eden. Nice. And then in Genie, 19... yeah, the Genie, yeah, our Genie. It's not the just Genie. Genie. <laughs> She's the Genie. Yeah. Well, Genie is a Genie. Uh, and in 1983, had a brief stint on the short-lived TV series *The Renegades*, playing a gang leader named Bandit. I remember that show. I do not at all. <laughs> uh, Swayze became better known to the film industry after appearing in *The Outsiders* in 1983 as the older brother of C. Thomas Howell and Rob Lowe. Yeah. In the same year, Swayze played a United States Marine Corps trainer in Vietnam, the Vietnam rescue film Uncommon Valor with Gene Hackman. Great movie. And The Outsiders, man. Francis Ford Coppola yeah.
0: found the next generation of stars Everybody put it in that movie. Literally everybody. Rob Lowe, uh, Tom Cruise, Charlie Sheen, Ralph Macchio, C. Thomas Howe, Patrick Swayze. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, 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 Eyebrows, Eyebrow Jackson. Eyebrows. You to talk to me like dope, I'll get you pony boy.
1: <laughs> the guy from no. Something About Mary. Oh, uh, no. I always want to say Modine. That's not right. It's um Ah I never remember his name. I literally <laughs> never remember his name. But I know who you're talking about. Yeah, well he was no. in it. <laughs> so of course Swayze went on to become a huge heartthrob and action star, in part in due to this movie and in and because of uh, Dirty Dancing. Um. There's this restaurant in Los
0: Angeles called Kate Manolini's. I don't know if it's still around, but it was a really nice kind of like uh, restaurant. And, and, and uh, occasionally my friends and I would go there to grab drinks or to mm-hmm. grab something to eat. And we would always see Patrick Swayze. Oh, and yeah. he was always the nicest guy. Always oh, yeah. held the door open if you were there. Always said hello if you were there. You know, oh, no, you I... get your car first. You go ahead in front of me. And just the sweetest man. yeah uh, yeah. Very short. Very short guy. Really, yeah. really? No, not very short. Everybody to me short. is short because I'm yeah. tall. Because you're 18 feet. Tall. <laughs> yeah, I'm a tall drink of water. But uh, but very very sweet man.
1: I have never heard one bad thing about Patrick Swayze.
0: No. Um, very talented, very sweet guy.
1: Very very sad.
0: Loved his fans. Yeah. Loved working. Great dancer. Just yeah. great marriage. Great 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 great. Guy. Yeah. Very very sad when he passed. Oh my I god! Know. And just after he had done that amazing role. In Donnie Darko, when he just oh, did that did amazing Donnie, role yeah. in Donnie Darko, is yeah. the spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert? Pedophile. Yeah, you know yeah. something so it against type. Great, yeah. It was so good to see this guy. It was so perfect because he's so lovable and such a loved, beloved, and lovable actor to be this monster. It just makes me sad. I wanted to see so much more of that. it. Was
1: it was the beginning of his third chapter, and it, and it was sucks that it got cut off so soon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was a remarkable. He player. was fantastic, yeah. See, uh, Thomas Howell is Robert Morris. Yeah. Uh, in 1982, Howell made his film debut as Tyler in Steven Spielberg's E.T. The Extraterrestrial. Zero charisma. <laughs> At the age of 15, Howell was cast in Francis Ford Coppola's The Outsiders.
0: Stay old pony boy. He played
1: boy. Pony Boy Curtis. Stay old pony boy. That was, that was uh, when uh, little Ralph Macchio, uh,
0: got, yeah. got when they were saving the socias and he got crushed by Man. the fire. And he's all dying, and he's like, and Pony Boy, he's just crying. He, he's crying, and Dallas is crying. And that, that was the part played by the man who we can't remember.
1: <laughs> remember, his name <laughs> was
0: Dallas in the movie. But, uh yes. And then, oh, and then you turns to him, and he goes, stay cold, Pony Boy. Stay cold. Stay cold, which means stay cold. Stay cold. Yeah. Not cold, gold. Stay cold. Stay cold, <laughs> Always Pony cold. Boy. Stay away from fire,
1: because stay I was gold, killed by baby. fire. <laughs>
0: Oh, what a great movie. Such a good adaptation of that book. Yeah. And I, oh man, The Outsiders, if you haven't seen it, Jesus, man, watch that movie.
1: Uh, Howell's portrayal of Ponyboy was his breakthrough role and it earned him a Young Artist Award. Uh, He was great in that. Great. Yeah. He's gone on to have a very long career in film and TV and is still doing stuff. My Uh, favorite of all C. Thomas,
0: Howell. mm -hmm. Howell? Howell. <laughs> How when I said that I was thinking I
1: think
0: of uh, I was thinking of Thurston Howell, Howell the third from, <laughs> from Killigan's Island. But uh my favorite C. Thomas Howell movie is The Hitcher.
1: Oh yeah. With Rutger Hower. Oh, yeah. oh yeah.
0: Oh, and Jennifer Jason Lee.
1: Oh my God. movie. Terrifying. Spoiler alert,
0: spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen this movie, by the way, watch it today. Yeah. But when he's eating them French fries, Ugh. and he pulls that finger, and when you, when Rooker's got Jennifer Jason Leigh tied to that truck, Ugh. man, holy friggin' moly, oh my god, Cat and Mouse, one of the greatest brutal, Cat and Mouse brutal, movies brutal, brutal. ever, please, yeah. and Rookerhauer is
1: delicious. He's great in it, yeah. Uh, Horrible yeah, remake, don't watch that. Yeah, Don't watch, watch the original. That's <laughs> the rule on this show, ignore the remakes. The only thing that I would say not to ignore the remake would be Ocean's Eleven. It. Yes, that, they
0: they did do better than the yes. really lazy, lazy. But if you, you watch, watch the original, lines, yes. Sorry for this tangent, but I love the Rat Pack, love them. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm a huge Sinatra music fan. Not so much as a person. Seemed like kind of a jerk. Yeah, but uh, but Ocean's Eleven is boring, boring. And yeah. you could tell all they did was go to the casino and <laughs> gamble, gamble, gamble all night long, and then. <laughs> Oh, hey! We, into should, this we should go shoot this again. thing. All right. What are we gonna do? Let's just make it up as we go. Okay, okay. Here we go. Me,
1: I'll, I'll pause playing blackjack for yeah. twenty minutes. We'll shoot the scene. And it on. is not uh, yeah.
0: uh, it, the the
1: concept, the cast, and the yeah. title is awesome. Are all awesome? Yeah. Movie, not so much. Yeah. So, Leah Thompson as Erica Mason. Thompson made her home media screen debut in 1982 as Cecily Sissy Loper in the interactive live-action video game mystery disc Murder Anyone? I remember that,
0: by the way. I totally remember Murder I Anyone. I love this because it came out in 1982. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, it was just this totally... Ditch- it was weird. that the The... They were trying so many new things then. That was around the time too. I yeah. think of the Don Bluth video games, the, yeah, the Dragon's Lair and Black
1: Cauldron or something. Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair. And then there was Base yeah, Ace. I Thought there was another one, Cauldron something. Maybe some Cauldron. But yeah, but it the, like car, essentially you're playing a cartoon. Yeah, like it's yeah. And this was like playing a movie. Yeah. Uh, her movie debut came in 1983 with Jaws 3D, starring Dennis Quaid and Lewis Gussett Jr. <laughs>
0: Poor girl. That movie yeah. I saw that in the theater by the way. In. I'm gonna put 3D. the quotes up here. Yeah, 3D. Yeah, there were like two good 3D scene shots. There was one where the giant fake shark comes swimming at you, yeah. and it yeah. is, as it comes, you're like, "Wow, that's fake."
1: And then, <laughs> uh,
0: and then I think they like shot a, a uh, no, 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 that's the uh, Friday the Thirteenth 3D where they shoot the the harpoon the harpoon at you. But um, yeah, she was like the wife or girlfriend of one of the the Brody sons. Um, uh, working They all worked at this like Sea park. Yeah, and they captured a a baby great white that's the size Ugh. of a real great white, and then yeah. big old mama comes, which is like the size
1: of a cruise ship. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> and everybody. I think she got eaten. I don't remember. Uh, I. I honestly. I know I've seen it. I don't remember anything about that I, movie for years.
0: On July fourth, I would watch all. Four J- oh, Jaws nice, movies. Nice. That would be my July 4th.
1: They'd me? become easier to watch the drunker you got? <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, I,
0: I One year I was like, man... Because they, HBO would always do a marathon, yeah, yeah. But I always thought, like, I should watch these in reverse <laughs> to, to get up to Jaws because, yeah, man, get, by the time get. you get to Jaws 4, The Revenge... Decline in quality. B- you want to jump in the Bahamian waters yeah, and get eaten I by that be. shark yourself. The shark in Jaws 4, The Revenge... Apollo's, yeah, Mrs. Brody, yeah, 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 from New England to the Bahamas, of course, for revenge.
1: Of course, it's the revenge. We 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 talk about this in our Jaws episode. Go listen to our Jaws episode. If you want to see
0: Mario Van Peebles do a really bad Jamaican accent, (laughs) and you want to see Michael Caine just (laughs) smirk, not care at all, (laughs) but seem mildly amused that he's actually in this movie, you can
1: literally see the phone attached to his ear as he's playing his performance. Why is it shooting? Yeah. On that. Yeah. Uh, Leah Thompson also starred in All the Right Moves with Tom Cruise in 1983. Yeah, a good, good little sports movie.
0: Yeah, I, I told you they both get nicks. Oh, no, yeah. get to see Tom's peen. Yeah, that's. I had such a crush on her when I was a kid. She was just, yeah. she you was, know, she was. She's but stupid. she was also a badass, man. I mean, she didn't just play the girlfriend parts. You know, she did sometimes. But it's like yeah. Red Dawn was a badass part, and there was so much going on with her character that we probably didn't see. Yeah, you know, I mean, because it's it there had to be some sort of subplots or something of sexual violence or something. It's yeah. one of them because yeah. it, they she turns feral. It's weird. Her character just turns into like this feral, weird.
1: Yeah, you know, there was actually in the original script. And I actually think in the, the Amelia script before they got to the shooting, there was supposed to be a relationship between Powers Booth and Leah Thompson in the movie.
0: Right, but before this, she was. Before yeah. she met Powers Booth, which yeah. was her hope. Right. Because you kept giving him them, them flowers. Like <laughs> Nell from. <laughs> Nell? Nell.
1: JJ, <Yeah. laughs> uh, Carpetai, Papa uh, T. Yeah, she, she literally regresses so hard in the yeah. movie. It's, yeah. Both the. She does a great job. In yeah. That, yeah. No, she's great. But, and Jennifer great too. But they're just
0: both like, she's a like, wash your own plate. I mean, that's the great scene where she's like, yeah. Yeah, g- make yourself useful. It gives her the dishes. She's like, if you, man. You yeah. wash your own damn was, dishes. I'm not your
1: slave. It was great. I'm not your wife. Uh, Leah Thompson would perhaps be best known for her role in Back to the Future trilogy, but continues to have a long career acting and directing. Great. And she had a... Uh, Caroline in the City had a t- television series yeah. for years and years and years. Yeah, and years. she's she's had a great career, and, and she's fantastic. she's such a good actor, deservedly I, so. I love her so much. So charming. Yeah.
0: So good and so diverse. I mm-hmm. mean, if you look at uh, Back to the Future versus Red Dawn.
1: Yeah. Come, come on, completely. man. Yeah, yeah. Range, baby. Charlie Sheen is Matt Eckert, uh, Jed's younger brother. Sheen is the son of Martin Sheen and brother to Emilio Estevez. Uh, Sheen's film career began in 1983 when he was cast to portray Ron in Grizzly 2, the Predator, the sequel to the 1976 low-budget horror movie Grizzly, which remained unreleased until 2020. Really? Yeah. Finally. It finally came out a couple years ago. Was it worth the wait? No. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Red Dawn was technically his film debut uh, we all know how Charlie went on to become famous and then very infamous it's so sad Charlie Sheen was awesome man he he's was great. one of the great
0: young actors of his generation yeah his portrayal in Red Dawn is a tour de force great. man. he's fantastic his he's emotional great. accessibility his crying his like his intensity it is so good and you look at him at like and it's great to see the reunion between he and Jennifer Grey in his cameo in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, where he just plays yeah. that unfortunate character that pretty much just sums up who he is <laughs> became him. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But yeah, you we forget what a great young actor he was, and how many you know. Yeah. Oh my God, dude! Platoon. Yeah, he's a fan. He just was fantastic. fantastic in Platoon, yeah. and it's just you know people he's a you know make jokes about him and the Tiger's Blood and
1: all this stuff. It's- it's sad that he's become a joke because really, watching this again, it was like, oh, man, yeah. he was so good. Yeah,
0: I, yeah. yeah. People it, forget, you know.
1: I mean, he was he was great up until literally what halfway through two and a half minutes, and then he went insane.
0: Well, he's um, always had his piccadillos and his yeah. problems, but yeah. he was never so proud of them <laughs> as when he tripled down on yeah. his, you know, and then just crashed and burned, and yeah. ended up being diagnosed with. HIV. And, yeah. It's just sad. I, I, you know, I mean, even after he left Two and a Half Men with all of that uh, controversy, he went on to do the anger management yeah, show for yeah. like five years. So it's yeah. like nothing could kill that guy. He was like Trump
1: yeah. before Trump.
0: <laughs>
1: but not as awful. Right, right. Darren Except Dalton. Except in
0: terms of like the stuff. The, well, the yes. Stuff. Was yeah.
1: Uh, Darren Dalton is Daryl Bates. Uh, Dalton's career began in 1982 when cast as Randy Anderson by Francis Ford Coppola during a nationwide talent search for the teen ensemble The Outsiders. Yeah, he was the soosh. The soosh, yeah. Uh, Dalton would guest on some TV shows and appear in some TV movies in the 80s. He tried feature films again but opted to dive into screenwriting. He now works almost exclusively with The Asylum, writing and starring in knockoff features with his buddy C. Thomas Howell. How fun. Like The Day the Earth Stopped. Nice. And The Land That Time Forget, based off the Edgar Rice Burroughs novel. <laughs> the Land That Time Forget or Forgot? Forget. The Land That Time Forget. <laughs> That's how they changed it. Uh, yeah. The Asylum, I, I have I have a newfound respect, and I'll, we'll talk more about this in the Stepdad Show. Sure. But uh, because of, of a certain thing I just watched.
0: Yeah. But I, I give it to Asylum Man. I mean, they're the knockoff kings. They make money. Of course they do. And that, that is, I'm like, okay. Their whole business model is misdirection. Yeah. <laughs> their whole business model is accidentally renting their movie rather than yeah. the one that they've ripped off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I actually love it. I, I know a couple of actors who have been in in a few of their movies. Sure. Uh like their Avengers knockoff and, and stuff, and they're just they're awful. They're just awful movies, but people watch them. Sure. I Hey man, pot is very powerful these days. <laughs> it's money. They make stuff so cheaply that they just make money on everything. It it's it's a brilliant model. I just wish the quality was better.
0: Well, yeah. no. Then write C. Thomas Howell and. and <laughs> I mean, now granted, I've not Dalton.
1: seen the day the Earth stopped. <laughs> so you're
0: just judging without without any sort uh, of you're right, evidence. I am, I'm judging. These yeah. could be the best movies ever.
1: I I watched their uh, version of I Am Legend uh, called I Am Omega, and it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Oh yeah, no, it did. It, uh, it yeah. was bad. In fact, it had. Uh, oh God, uh, I almost had his name. Anyway. Uh, Jennifer Gray is Tony Mason. Gray's commercial debut was at the age of 19 in an ad for Dr. Pepper. She made her film debut in Reckless in 1984 in a small role. Uh, it starred Aidan Quinn and Daryl Hannah. The film was directed by James Foley and written by Chris Columbus in their directing and Ooh. screenwriting debuts, respectively, which I've never seen this movie. It's good. I mean, it's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Her dad is Joel
0: Gray, who was in. Yeah. Uh, uh, Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Oh, yeah, nice. As a very offensive playing an Asian man, a oh. white man playing an Asian man. Oh, wow. Okay. But Joel Grey is a great dancer and choreographer and Broadway dude. And That's
1: how I know him. Yeah, who? I was going to say, yeah, okay, yeah. A uh, really
0: great actor, and that's his daughter.
1: Yeah. Uh, she appeared in a small role in Francis Ford Coppola's The Cotton Club in 1984, starring Reach and, wow, Richard Gere and Gregory Peck. Damn, Coppola's just getting on them. Oh, yeah. He was a, a tour de force. Gray became a household name with the release of Dirty Dancing in 1987. In the late 90s, she got a pretty bad nose job and even started a short-lived TV show about it.
0: Yeah. It's – she ruined her career. Yeah. And it, look, it's stupid that uh, that ruined her career. I know. That just know. shows how superficial and crappy this business is. Yeah, yeah. But she was unrecognizable. And – not that she wasn't still attractive or whatever, but it just, it just changed everything. Her. Yeah, her,
1: her image changed completely.
0: Yes, because she was so like that—that that, you know, Angeline nose or whatever yeah. that she had—lended yeah. herself to that just sharp wit. And yeah, yeah. Her playing Ferris Bueller's sister Ugh. is the greatest the role she nominal. ever played. Yeah, yeah. She is just dripping. With yeah. resentment, it is. Uh, there's <laughs> no better brilliant. portrayal of a pissed off sister. I, yeah, growing up with a sister who rightfully, you know, <laughs> got upset with me for being a little tattletale and stuff. I get it, man. You know, it's yeah. it's. She was just so good, and it just blows that this stupid business is so superficial like that. Yeah,
1: agreed, agreed. Uh, she does continue to work in TV and film while doing voiceover for cartoons such as Phineas and Ferb. She continues to capitalize on her popularity by appearing on various shows that reference her dirty dancing fame. Sure. I mean, she, that was great, too. She okay. actually won her season of Dancing with the Stars. Well, I wonder why. <laughs> Did they do the... I'm, term. I'm, I have never seen one second of Dancing with the Stars. But I'm assuming yes. I'm assuming yes. But she appears at, like, conventions and stuff. Like, she, she's she seems very... The, the thing is that even though Hollywood kind of rebuffed her because there's no job nose job she has is still like she's like just took it in stride and was like okay like whatever i'm gonna capitalize on it however i can
0: i'm sure i'm i'm really impressed that she got there yeah but i'm sure when it first happened it was devastating
1: oh i'm sure i'm sure i mean it's just that first know. moment when people are like i'm sorry who are you again and yeah. it's like yeah, yeah yeah it sucks it does well uh, it's the
0: same i mean it's a different It's a different situation, but Mark Hamill had the same problem where he, between Star Wars and Empire, got into this horrific Um, car accident where his face just went through the windshield and he had to have facial reconstruction surgery. And that beautiful boy from A New Hope was, you know, still a handsome man, but very scarred, different nose, different everything. And they even had to, like, reference that in Empire Strikes Back because it was so dramatically different. You know, I think that stalled his acting career as well. Yeah. And then again, and, and, and cause such a talented guy, same thing, went to voiceover, and now everybody wants to work. He's had such a resurgence in oh, the yeah. 60s. Everybody yeah. wants to work with Hamill. And he's always been great. Like that, uh, uh, that Sushi Girl movie. What was it called? Sushi Girl. Sushi Girl. Yes. Yeah. Great in that.
1: Fantastic in the, that movie.
0: And, and I will say this unequivocally, the absolute best Joker. Oh, yeah. Performer. Yeah. yeah. In all, oh, you know. Totally. I, I'm even putting him up ahead of, uh, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Heath Ledger was a remarkably, you know, kind of down-to-earth... It was great realistic movie. Yeah. 100%. But the, encapsulating the character of the Joker, the yeah. actual comics character, nobody even comes close Yeah, to Mr. He's, Hamill.
1: he's so fantastic, yeah. Uh, Brad Savage is Danny. Uh, Savage appeared in many television shows in the 1970s and 80s, including... Salem's Lot, Chips, Smoking and Mindy, Emergency, Fantasy Island, The Plane, The plane, and... The love boat. He appeared in several other films, including Two Minute Warning.
0: Great movie, by the way. Two Minute Warning is yes. about an assass- yes, uh, assassination at the, at the attempt at Super the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a
1: great
0: movie. One of my favorite Jack Klugman moments. Spoiler, spoiler. If you haven't seen this movie, that nobody's seen but me, uh, he's like this gambler, and he's always losing. And then, right at the end of the game, Two Minute Warning. Oh the yeah. So yeah. he gets the money, and he stands up, but I got the money. You got my money.
1: Uh, it's a great movie ah so much fun uh the apple dumpling gang which i I don't have never seen yeah you have of course you have apple
0: dumpling gang with uh uh don not and uh harvey uh, not harvey corman um Tim Conway, Tim Conway, and, oh, and there are yeah. a couple of bumbling outlaws. <laughs> it's like a Disney movie. They had the Umple, Apple Dumpling
1: Gang Rides Again and
0: all sorts of dumplings.
1: Uh, he was also in Echoes of a Summer, uh, No Deposit, No Return, and Return from Witch Mountain. Oh, great movie. Yeah, yeah, and Islands in the Stream. I think Return from Witch Mountain was the sequel to Escape from Witch Mountain. I think it was? Yeah. Well, because yeah. you're returning. You're returning. <laughs> yeah, it would make sense. <laughs> or maybe they returned and then they escaped. No, no I don't think no. so. Uh, Savage currently plays bass guitar and sings in the celebrity group band from TV with Greg Grunberg, Hugh Laurie, James Denton, Bob Geeney, Bonnie Somerville, and others. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Powers Booth as Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Andy Tanner, USAF.
0: Ah, uh, still one of the most amazing names <laughs> in all of Hollywood.
1: Powers Booth. Uh, he was actually, I don't know if I put this in here, but he was uh, he was actually named, the name except we had talked about this while we were watching it, but he was actually named uh, after his dad's best friend who died during World War II. Was his last name or his first name his Powers? His first name was Powers. <laughs> don't ask me why. I don't know. What if you they know. called him Pow? I, what up, Pow? <laughs> Pow. <laughs> yeah. Or yours. What up, yours? Uh, Powers, man. What a great name. John Milius wanted Robert Blake to play the U.S. pilot, but Frankie Ablens overruled him. Uh, Powers actually started on stage, making his acting debut in New York in 1974 in Richard III. Oh, so good. He, I just love that oh, guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He first came to national attention in 1980, playing Jim Jones in the CBS TV movie Guiana, Tragedy, The Story of Jim Jones. Oh, Jim Jones. Uh, Bring he, that Kool-Aid. He won an Emmy for the role, actually beating out Henry Fonda and Jason Robards. He was great. It was great a great TV movie. fantastic, yeah. God, that thing. That, you guys don't know... About the Guyana tragedy
0: and Jim Jones. Oh. Good Lord, there is a tape of all of them taking the the. It's, it wasn't Kool Aid. It, it was, was. It
1: was a – poor Kool Aid drink. It was like a. It was like limeade or something. Yeah. It was like it,
0: whatever it was.
1: It wasn't Kool Aid, but it was the same kind of punch. Yeah. Regardless,
0: it doesn't matter. That's a teeny little detail. But if you listen to this tape, they taped over this. Uh, I think it was I forget which which album it was. I think it's like uh I don't know. They taped over like a a music album. Okay. So, in the background of this horrific tape of people poisoning themselves and mm-hmm. dying and and, and 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 pleading with him, there's this very slow motion low
1: Oh, weird. Low, <laughs>
0: in the background that makes it even more
1: yeah a little more creepy, unreasonably like
0: creepy yeah uh oh, if you have a chance man the uh the last podcast on the left
1: they did it yeah. those
0: guys did a great um uh series on that if you want to learn about that I would recommend listening to their podcast
1: yeah and they they actually do play like 40 minutes of that of oh, yeah. tape and it's I couldn't listen to it i I couldn't get through it yeah
0: I mean it's interesting at first but there's no reason to listen to the whole 40 yeah. unless you're just Weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Booth had a long career in the film and TV, uh, appearing in Deadwood in Nashville. yeah, he was so good, so good in Deadwood. Yeah, uh, Booth passed from pancreatic cancer in 2017. he's one of those guys? Who's kind of his bottom part of his mouth just kind of yeah sticks always, out a little bit. Always, you can always see the his bottom teeth. see his bottom teeth. <laughs> he was such a good actor, though. I Loved know. him. Very sad when he died. Harry Dean Stanton is Mr. Tom Eckert, uh, Jed, and his brother's father. Uh, his career spanned more than six decades.
0: Yeah, MF started with uh, John Wayne.
1: Yeah. Uh, his first credited role was in Tomahawk Trail in 1957. Uh, Stanton played supporting roles in films including Cool Hand Luke in 1967 starring Paul Newman. Oh, man. Cool. My favorite Paul Newman movie. Great movie, yeah. Such cool. an amazing performance. And he eats a lot of eggs. Yeah. Kelly's Heroes in 1970. Uh, Clint Eastwood. Yep. Uh, Dillinger in 1973, written and directed by John Milius. I think that was actually a Corman movie. Yeah, I think it was, yep. actually, yeah. Uh, the Godfather Part II in 1974 by no Francis Ford Coppola, obviously. Alien in 1979 from Ridley Scott, which is fantastic in that movie. Escape from New York in 1981. And Christine in 1983, both directed by John Carpenter. Oh, man, and Christine is the cop. He is just so good. I... Absolutely adore Harry
0: Dean Stanton. One of my favorite LA memories is Sunday nights going to the oyster bar, tiny little hole in the wall oyster bar, yeah, you get yeah. oysters, and drinks, and crap. And he and his band played blues. Nice. And I have never seen a human being so drunk <laughs> perform.
1: Wow. So well.
0: Wow. In my life. And it was just a joy to see this drunken man up there just loving seeing the blues. It was just so much fun. And he was just the nicest guy, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just after he was done. I mean, he was tipsy, but he was just so gracious and so nice. And he talked to you. And, you know, that guy just, he, there's certain people that make me love Hollywood. And there's certain people that make me hate it. And he's (laughs) one definitely that makes me love love it. it.
1: Uh, He passed in 2017 at the age of 91.
0: Oh, and you forgot another amazing performance of his, Big Love. Playing yeah. the Mormon patriot. Yeah, I just I didn't
1: include anything after uh, Red Dawn. But yeah, well, he, I'm sorry, he I had just had a can't long stop career. No, he was great. No, he was great. I mean he had he was in like four hundred different movies oh, and yeah. T V shows. Like he was it was he had a long great career. Blue Velvet? Yeah. You know? He was fantastic. I mean, he was in everything. Uh Ron O'Neill is Colonel Ernesto Bella or Bella. I, I guess it would be pronounced. Probably. Uh, <laughs> O'Neill started his career on stage. He rose to fame in his role as Youngblood Priest, a New York cocaine dealer in the exploitation film Superfly in yeah. 1972 and its sequel Superfly TNT in 1973. Uh, he actually wrote uh, and directed the sequel. Good for him. Yeah. He starred in When a Stranger Calls in 1979. Oh, that's such a good movie. Great movie. The call is coming from inside <laughs> the house. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he also starred in Guiana Tragedy the story of Jim Jones at Powers Booth uh, he c- continued to work until losing his four year battle with pancreatic cancer in 2004 F cancer man yeah ugh yeah but he was he was the, uh, the how poet. many of these
0: guys do we lose from cancer
1: uh I believe it's Powers um, three and him or four yeah I don't know how Harry Dean Stanton died I don't know if it was uh, natural he was gotta be. I mean that guy just lived life
0: until the fullest <laughs> and made it t- he
1: was smoking six
0: and drinking all the way till the end
1: uh, William Smith as Colonel Strelnikov. Uh, in a Hollywood career spanning more than 75 years, he appeared in almost 300 feature films and television productions in a wide variety of character roles, accumulating over 480 total credits. He's just super weird looking. He is such an odd man. But so, I mean, he's probably
0: the nicest guy in the world. I'm sure, I'm sure. But he, he's just got that face, that face of yeah. evil.
1: <laughs> His best known role being the menacing Anthony Falconetti in the 1970s television miniseries Rich Man, Poor Man. Oh, yeah. Smith is also known for films like Any Which Way You Can in 1980.
0: Clint. Great movie. Any Which Way You Can. Conan the Barbarian
1: in 1982. Rumblefish. Yes, starring Matt Dillon. Also stars Matt Dillon. The man
0: that we could not remember his name playing (laughs) Dallas on the
1: other S.E. Hinton book. Right, right. Uh, Yeah, Matt Dillon's fantastic. That was in Black and White, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen Rumblefish. It's
0: not as good as uh, as The Outsiders. Yeah.
1: But it's yeah. interesting. Uh, William Smith also had lead roles in several exploitation films during the 70s, such as CC and Company in 1970, Grave of the Vampire in 1972. And, and The Invasion in, of the Bee Girls. <laughs> in 1973. When Bees, I first spelled B-E-E, yeah. not just B. Yeah. That's why when I first saw that, I thought it was... The Invasion of the Bee Gees! No, no, no. Uh, Smith continued to work up until his d- death in July of 2021. His last appearance was as a barfly in the John Stewart film Irresistible. Wow, he had a long career. Long career. Long That's long the thing, man. If you're a weird-looking
0: dude, you could work forever. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm telling you, if you want to be an character. actor, it's better to be weird-looking than pretty. <laughs> Trust true. me. I know. a lot, now, a lot now, easier to get parts. People are always going to need... Interesting-looking people, yeah, yeah, and and your your competition is probably less yeah. because it's more on your merits and how you look and how you do rather right. than just being a pretty. Right. So, like the guy, I forget his name, uh, the one that's, that was in Cobra Kai and he was in the Martin Richard Jewell, Richard He's Martin
1: Cove. Oh no, 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 no. that's not Martin Cove. Is the other guy? Uh, yeah, I don't know his name. The guy that was in and Richard he's in War.
0: Blackbird, that amazing yeah. new show on. Apple TV. Uh, that guy, you he's know, he's going to have a great career. Yeah, And I, I was not super sure of him, you know. I really liked him in Richard Jewell. Yeah. And I liked great. him in Cobra Kai. But seeing him in this Blackbird show. Yeah. It is one of the best, most nuanced serial killer performances I've ever seen. Okay. So interesting and different than anybody else.
1: Nice. Uh, so Red Dawn was filmed in and around the city of Las Vegas, New Mexico. Uh, many of the filming locations in town are still there. Yeah. Uh, before starting work on the movie, the cast center went an intensive eight-week military training course. Yeah. During that time, production crews designed and built special combat vehicles in Newhall, California. A uh, soldier of fortune reported that the movie's T-72 tank was such a precise replica that...
0: While it was being carted around Los Angeles, two CIA intelligence officers followed it to the studio and wanted to know where it had come from.
1: Wah, wah. Uh, Powers Booth later claimed that. Millie's cut out the emotional life of its characters. Originally, my
0: character was anti war as well as rightist.
1: I was supposed to be the voice of reason in that movie, but certain cuts negated my character. Leah Thompson said the original cut featured a love scene between her and Powers Booth, but it. was cut out after some previews because of the age difference, and that was
0: the main reason I took the movie. It was such a terrific scene!
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Although she was supposed to be like 15 or something in it.
0: It's not a terrific scene. Sorry, Leia. Uh, yeah, yeah. I get it, but statutory yeah. is not so sexy.
1: It's weird. Uh, some, of the, some of the weaponry devised for the film did not work. Futuristic helicopters created for the film did not have FAA approval to fly over people. <laughs> the budget was increased from $11 million to $15 million. Eventually, That's not very much. No, no. I mean, eventually came in at $19 million. That's almost twice, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The film was scored by Basil Polidurus. Yeah, he is best known for his long-running collaborations with directors John Milius and Paul Verhoeven. Oh, he's good, though. Uh, he did both Conan movies in 1982 and 84, Iron Eagle in 1986, the Top Gun knockoff, yeah. RoboCop in 1987, boom, 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 boom. which I had no idea that was him. I, for some reason, thought it was somebody else. I don't know why. The Hunt for Red Better October. Better alive, you all coming with me. <laughs> the Hunt for Red October, 1990. Free Willy, in 1993. And Starship Troopers in 1997. Free Willy, was that the movie
0: about Lauren Boebert's husband in the bowling alley? All right.
1: (laughs) 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 Trying to keep this timeless, Jim. (laughs) Ah. He won an Emmy for his score to Lonesome Dove in 1989.
0: One of the, to me, the greatest miniseries ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My friend, uh, Big Bear John Falky and I, who was a guest on our uh, Robert De Niro show, Mm -hmm. he and I... uh, We would watch that just about every year. It's been a couple of years since we've seen it. But we, uh, a few years ago, went over to his place and watched the whole thing. We're getting old, so we kind of napped through it because it's long. (laughs) But, uh, man, that is just. If you like Westerns, you like Tommy Lee Jones, if you like Robert Duvall, if you like Rick Schroeder, um, watch that movie. Back before he went crazy. No, he was a kid.
1: He was good. Everybody was great in that movie. Wiggle that bean. Gonna wiggle that bean. Uh, so Poliduris worked until he passed from lung cancer in 2006 at the age of 61. F-cancer, man! Yeah, Yeah, that's, especially 61, man, that just sucks. uh, Red Dawn ended up making just over $38 million in the box office. The reviews were mixed. The New York Times said,
0: To any sniveling lily livers who suppose that John Milius has already reached the pinnacle of movie-making machismo, a warning. Mr. Milius' red dawn is more rip-roaring than anything he's ever done before. Here is Mr. Milius at his most alarming, delivering a
1: root and scenario for World War III. <laughs> that was brilliant. Thank you. MGM actually had to apologize to Alaska war veterans for the film's advertising, which claimed that no foreign troops had ever landed on U.S. soil, overlooking the Aleutian Islands campaign of World War II, where Japanese soldiers occupied the Aleutian Islands part of Alaska. A very forgotten part of World War II, but it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. A few days after release, 35 protesters picketed the MGM UA building in opposition to the film. John Milius said, What these people really don't like is that the movie shows violence being perpetrated
0: against Russian and Cuban invaders, which is what the demonstration was all about. My question is, where were all these demonstrators when the Russians shot down that airliner? Where were they they cheering? Then what about those people being gassed and yellow-rained in Afghanistan? There's really no pleasure in outraging these people. I suppose next some extreme right-wing organization will give me an award which is equally
1: ridiculous. Soon afterward, the gun owners of America announced they were honoring Milius for...
0: Dramatically depicting the importance in our time of the Second Amendment.
1: I just love that Melius was very prophetic. Yeah, I mean, because, <laughs> yeah. of course, like we said, everybody wants to take ownership of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Since the release, National Review Online has named the film number 15 in its list of the best conservative movies. B.S. Yeah. Uh... While there's been no official video game released about Red Dawn, it influenced a number of games. Oh, yeah. Freedom Fighters is a 2003 video game that takes place during a Soviet invasion of New York. This game is heavily influenced by Red Dawn's characters, costumes, and design. The plot of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 includes an invasion of the United States by an ultra-nationalist Russia, where members of the United States Army's 75th Ranger Regiment have to repel the attack. Good game. It's a great game. I, one of my favorite scenes run through that fast food place. Like It's, oh, like, yeah. it's so great. so <laughs> great. Uh, Homefront from 2011 a video game by Red Dawn writer John Melius about a North Korean invasion of America borrows heavily from the movie I haven't played this but I have heard nothing but great things about I it I played it on the 360 the Xbox 360 uh, I really liked it and I don't remember finishing it mm. um, kind of wish they would do a remake or something of it I think they did a sequel
0: they, they I did Homefront 2 yeah, yeah. For, uh, for the last generation, yes, yeah. forward.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. One notable Easter egg relating to the film is a large billboard at a school sports stadium which reads Go Wolverines! Wolverines! Uh, in turn, the plot of the 2012 remake of Red Dawn borrows heavily from Homefront, including the use of a United Korean threat, the use of rural and suburban settings for the primary action, and partisan warfare. Ugh. Uh, remake of Red Dawn, directed by Don- Dan Bradley, was released in 2012. Uh, the film takes place in the 2010s, with North Korea invading the United States. has criticized the remake as... terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I was at the premiere...
0: Of uh, that movie. I, re- I,
1: I reviewed this movie, yeah.
0: And uh, wow, was I so disappointed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so not
0: even the charm of Thor himself, Chris no, Hemsworth, no, could save this no, stinkeroo. No. And it had that one actor that I just can't stand. I'm not even going to say who it is because I don't remember his name and yeah. I don't want to single, single him out.
1: Uh, so he, so Milius criticized it as terrible after reading the original script where the villains were Chinese. Uh, villain <laughs> Milius said, There was a strange feeling to
0: the whole thing. There were fans
1: of the movie, so they put in stuff
0: they thought was neat. It's all about neat action scenes and has nothing to do with the story. There's only one example in 4,000 years of Chinese territorial adventurism, and that was in 1979 when they invaded Vietnam. And to put it mildly, they got their butts handed to them. Why would China want us? They sell us stuff. We're a market. I would have done it about Mexico. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Which, I mean, they did make it about the North Koreans, but at the end of the day, it's like, okay. Um, It had no It was not good. heart. It had no it not
0: nothing. It was just a cash grab crappy remake.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't good. It was, yeah, it... Even yeah, like you said, even Chris Hemsworth could not save that movie. It was just not good at all. Um, yeah, I had to review it, and it was it was one of the best reviews I ever written because I hated the movie so much. Yeah, well, they, there's a lot of passion and hate. Uh, so yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's all I got about Red Dawn. It is it is beloved by the conservative side. Uh, I honestly think it's mostly because they see it as a fantasy of like, well, yeah, yeah this of is course. what I would go
0: do. It's a Second Amendment fantasy. It's not. <sighs> There are parts of that movie that are absolutely ridiculous. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm going to. I've been talking about this since <laughs> we announced doing this, so I'm going to have to talk about it. There's the scene. There is a like an internment camp mm-hmm. that they put up. They put all the, the parents and the rabble rousers and the troublemakers. Troublemakers, yeah. The in. Troublemakers, yeah. <laughs> so the kids stumble upon this, and uh, Harry Dean Stanton is one of the kids' dads. And uh, they're like, could you go get my dad? And, they, and then C. Thomas sounds, can you give my dad to you? And then Harry uh, Dean Stanton comes over and he's like, boys, boys, shh, be quiet. Quiet, boys. Okay, here. And then he goes into like, what's going on and, and so you know, oh, where's my dad, Mr. So and so? He's like, I don't know, no, son. And he starts crying. And then he's like, okay, boys, you got to forget about me, okay? You got to forget about me and you just got to survive and you got to do the thing. And he's being all quiet. He's like, yeah, got to get out of here. Be quiet. shh, shh, shh. shh, shh. And then they start walking away. They get about five steps away. And it's real quiet. And all of a sudden, Avenge me, boys! Avenge me! It, it, it,
1: it literally makes no sense. No. The scene makes zero it's like sense. It's easy, pal. You know, you're, what are you, put, you you It's just, yeah. yeah. The scene where they line them up, where the Soviets and everybody line them up, and they start singing the national anthem, makes it, that sentiment work so much better yeah. than what they were trying to do with the avenge me screaming. Yes, because it shows like,
0: the the you know the the determination of the Americans to the very end. You know, they're gonna they're gonna yeah. spout the the American anthem. You know they're yeah. gonna they're they're gonna fight for their rights until the very end. Which is good. You know that's not a you know, yeah. it's just it's the It's the fetishization. Yes. Of patriotism that ruins things like this. Yeah, exactly. This movie isn't a right-wing movie. It is a movie about a ridiculous invasion, kids going up into the woods, and then becoming a fighting force and helping them repel invaders in the occupied territory
1: of America. I love the fact that all the the conservatives that love this movie ignore the fact that the the teenagers, their heroes, use very left-wing guerrilla tactics that have been used by lots and lots of various guerrilla bands throughout the world.
0: Yeah, and it's also—I think they like the fact that it's, you know, they kill the traitor, and it's just—but they're missing the whole point, man. The whole thing is basically—it's a coming-of-age movie of these kids, and how— the best example of this is watch C. Thomas Howe yeah. and his character through this movie. He is the best barometer of what would probably happen with kids. Yeah. It's such yeah. a good performance because he starts out as a very innocent, sweet kid, loses his parents, sees all this violence, and just becomes and just shuts down into, yeah. into a killer. Yeah. He's yeah. just a killer. He has no emotion or no compassion because he can't. It's all yeah. driven from him. Doesn't make him a good person or a good soldier. It makes him a tragic figure. Yeah. And, you know, he his death is completely avoidable. It was just, you know, it's like, well, it you, was, you yeah. just run away, dude? You know? It's like it was suicide. <laughs> run at this helicopter and you shoot a gun. The 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 girls, they don't want to be there. No, no. You know? No, They're no. not happy about it. Nobody's happy about being there. Nobody wants to be fighting this stuff. No, you know? no.
1: I mean, they're, they're uh, from, just the, from the very beginning when they're at the the dad's store, and then they're like, "You got to come with us." He's like, "No, I got to get your mom." And gotta like, get your mom, boys. But don't just come get up there, here. yeah. Come, go up there, take the stuff, and, and leave. And just don't come back here. And they're all of them. It's some of the best acting. Like all of them are just like you can tell they're just horrified, sure. terrified, and they're like kids. I don't want to do this. Yes, like I need yes. a parent. I need a guardian to mm-hmm. help me through this.
0: Yeah. yeah, and then they finally get somebody. You know, they get yeah. the the colonel coming in. And he's just kind of he's impressed and also kind of horrified yeah, by these yeah, kids. Because yeah. they've turned them into something else. Swayze somehow keeps his humanity. Yeah. Yeah. To until he has to kill his friend. Yeah. And that's when it's like he and his brother are like, we're expendable. We're gonna end this. Because he crossed the line to where when this is over, he can't have a normal life. No, no. What do you do? He's not going to yeah. be able to go back to just being well, a kid and go to the work at the factory.
1: See Thomas Howell and him, yeah. and him just like, all right, this is it. My that's last what, stand. Yes. yes.
0: This. See, these are the nuances that the that the alt right ignores. Right. When it's like, see, Second Amendment. If we didn't have a, the thing that they love the most about it is that people use their crappy little <laughs> guns to take on an army, and it's pure freaking fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if this was the truth, here's what would happen. Kids would go up into the hills. Helicopter would go around. They'd see the kids in the hills with their fire or whatever. Choo-choo! Two missiles. Bing, bang, boom. They're all dead. Or if if if, they hadn't starved to death first. Or, well, I I could see them living because they're camper kids. Yes, that's true.
1: They were hunters. They're
0: survivalists. I see that. But first time they
1: come into town, pop, pop, pop. Oh, you yeah. Know? Yeah, the fact that they just wander around town, like, okay. But that
0: wouldn't make for a fun movie. No, no, it'd be for a short movie. It's a fantasy. It's a fun fantasy movie about... It's a great... I love what-ifs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? I exactly. like the Marvel what-if. Like, what if they were all zombies? What if yeah, this happened? Yeah, yeah. It's always interesting. And this is a really interesting what-if America was yeah. occupied. And I think it's a very well-done yeah. scenario of that. Yeah, The shot of all of the the beginning... With all of the paratroopers coming oh, down. It's, it's done so well
1: from inside the classroom. Yeah. And just seeing that in the distance. And, and, the,
0: like, and the actor who plays the teacher, who's also the the
1: the, the screaming guy <laughs> from Starsky and Hutch and yeah. from
0: uh, Last Action Hero. Right, right. Is so good as the teacher. He's like, well, what's going
1: on out here? Yeah. These guys are hey, way off course. Hey, guys, and, It seems like you went the wrong place. Hey, what you doing? it
0: You know? And it Dumb. just, from then, yeah, it just it goes. It just moves. Yeah. And it's just a fun action movie. And it, it launched the careers of, of the, the, our wave
1: of actors, you know, the biggest actors of our generation. It's really interesting seeing them so young. Yeah. Knowing them now, you know, and seeing them for the last 30 years, and but seeing them so young and seeing them so good. Yeah. Being so young. They're so baby-faced, and yet they're so good. But there's a lot of emotion in that
0: movie. There's a lot yeah. of crying. And, and yes, yes, of course, Swayze's like, don't cry. Don't, don't cry. cry. Don't Turn it into something head. else. Turn it into something else. Push it into
1: something else. Well, he was following what his dad said. Of course. You know but I mean? that's he's... the thing. It's like yeah.
0: he – the beauty of the Swayze character is he's put upon – the role of patriarch and he doesn't want it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He He doesn't want to be a leader. He doesn't want to do this, but he has to, and he has to be a jerk and he has to do stuff that people aren't going to like. And, and he's leading a bunch of kids hormonal. Yeah. You know, it, and I think that aspect of it is good. I think this whole right wing BS crap about it is just false ownership and really doesn't reflect on the movie. itself. I
1: think you hit the nail on the head in that to them, it is a fantasy movie that they're, they think is reality. And it's just not.
0: Well, it gives them justification for having a thousand AR-15s or whatever guns they have. My final thoughts, I guess, for this is it's a fun rip-roaring... It's rip-roaring, as they say. (laughs) It is. Uh, It's a fun what-if movie with a great group of young actors that's just starting out. You know, we get to see them at the beginning of their careers. It's, uh, It's a good action movie. It moves fast. Yeah. And it's fun. There's... Don't look at the politics of it.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, there's no
0: yeah. real politics to the movie, you know? Cheer for the kids. Yeah. And, and and hope they make it through. Because here's the thing, too. There's no real, there's very little explanation of what's going on in the larger world. Powers Booth kind of tells them, like, there's the occupied territory. Yeah. You're in yeah. the middle of the occupied territory. But we have other, ter- you know. So we kind of get yeah, the free what's em- going on. Free America, on. yeah. But, the, but 98% of this whole war is told through the eyes and the actions of these children.
1: And you have, they have no idea what's going on. Exactly. And no we don't idea. either,
0: Which would, and that makes it so it much more exciting. It really well, yeah, yeah. It would have been so boring if we kept cutting back to like, you the, know. The, the president. The, <laughs> like, or like, oh, let's go get the. Yeah. Or the war room, you know. Yeah, and they're like, yeah. we got to get, you know, what about these kids? We got to get them on ours, huh? You know, it's like, these kids are doing the work for us. You know, it's like, they didn't go into that crappy trap, you right, know, right. of like making it bigger than it needed to be.
1: And it does, and I will say, they do show a lot of the invaders and like humanizing them in, in, in a way that like, you don't necessarily understand. You know, it's not like you support them, but well, like you don't it,
0: sympathize with them. Yes. But you see where they're coming from. They're not just faceless evil. Right. They're not the you know the faceless Vietnamese from the Rambo movies that just right. are cannon fodder. Yeah. And have yeah. no personality. Or they're just you know. No,
1: no, no. And apathetic. It does, and it like the mayor that that just rolls over and does whatever they want. Then whose like, son you know, betrayed them, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's, there's a lot of
0: stuff going on. That's really mm-hmm. good. And it's a judge for yourself, man. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't, don't let the hype around the, you know, whomever taking ownership of a movie change. you know, guide your view. Yeah. yeah it's up yeah. to you whether you like it or not. I love this movie because as a kid, I loved it. And, you know, yeah, at that age, I liked guns and it was kind of a fantasy of like, Oh yeah, I, I get it. But, you know, grew out of that. But I still love the movie, <laughs> and I think most people can. It's it's, it's a fun, great uh, encapsulation of the time. It's a, it's a really entertaining movie. Yeah. And it's a good way to see kind of like the way America was viewing the Russians and communism socialism yeah. of the era. And it's a great way to see some of your favorite actors in, in, in their
1: first oh, roles. Yeah, yeah. We'll be back next week with The Stepdad Show. Oh, uh, yeah. Chat about all of our recent viewings and uh, some other fun stuff about the rah-rah Reagan 80s. Yeah,
0: what games we're playing, what's yeah. going on. God. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Have a good week. Hey. You want to jump bah- <laughs> bah- uh, <Bah-manian>, uh, <laughs> into the Bahamian... Bahamian? The Bahamian... You, you want to jump in the Bahamian waters. We now return to you to your regularly scheduled programming mark already in progress